This morning, I invite you to open your Bible and find with me in your copy of God's Word, 1 Timothy. We are in chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2 is where we're at this morning. And so I encourage you to open your copy of God's Word and find 1 Timothy chapter number 2. And today, we want to talk about the essential importance of prayer in the life of a believer and the church. And so look with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. And we're going to begin today with verse number 1. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time, and this, for this, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Amen. Father, I pray that today that you would speak to our hearts concerning the priority and the importance of prayer. Prayer in the church. Prayer in our lives personally. And Father, I pray that we might understand the importance of praying for the lost and that those who don't know Christ. Praying for peace so that we might share the gospel more powerfully and more broadly. And Father, I pray that we would pray, that we would pray honestly before you. And with holy hands, lifting them before you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer is an essentially important activity of the believer and the church of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the ministry. He's a young man. He's an apprentice under the apostle Paul. And Paul is writing to him to encourage him. Young Timothy is passionate about the Lord Jesus. He's faithful. He's sincere. And uh, he is genuine. He is serving uh, the church in Ephesus, and Paul is writing to him to encourage young Timothy. He said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. And he's writing some very practical words to Timothy and to the churches that he serves. And he talks about the importance and the priority of prayer. And he says in chapter 2, verse 1, first of all, 
I urge, I beg you. He says, make this important. I am begging you. I am exhorting you. I, 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 I'm pressing on you that you make prayer and an urgent part of your ministry and your daily life and the life of the congregation where you serve. He says, make prayer a priority of your life. Now, let me just ask a question here. How much time do you spend in prayer each week? How much of your week activity is given to prayer? How would you grade yourself about your daily practice of prayer? When do you pray? What is that time of the day that you have set aside to pray? When is it that you pray? Are there certain times that you pray? When we were in Bangladesh, a Muslim country, we heard the again and again the call to prayer at the appointed times of prayer, beginning at 4.45 in the morning. And the people would make their ways to the places of prayer. For those who couldn't get to the place of prayer, then they would lay down a carpet or a rug and they would pray. And they would recognize those places of prayer. But how about for us who are believers, who have the truth, who, who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and the hope that God has promised to us? What is the priority of prayer in your life? Do you make it a priority? Do you have a time set aside that is a time of prayer? And when you pray, how do you pray? What, what is the structure of your prayer life? What is the time, uh, the time that you set aside? And how do you pray? And do you structure it in a certain way in your life so that you're thorough in your time of prayer? And then the next question I would want to ask you is, I, is, for whom do you pray when you pray? I like to take time to pray for my family. And on every morning, I pray for my family. I pray for my children. And I pray for my daughters-in-law and sons-in-law. And I pray for those precious little grandchildren that has come into our life. Their children. And I pray for them by name. I pray things specifically for them. I pray for who their future mates might be. Might be. I pray for their career path, but mostly I pray for their salvation, that they'll come to know Jesus Christ and walk with him personally. Amen. Do you pray? Do you pray for your children, your family, your friends? One day a week, I set aside to pray for my friends in my prayer life. And I have a list of, pray of friends that are on my prayer list. And then I pray for our church family. And I pray for the needs in our church family that I know about and lift them before the Lord. And then I pray for our community group. Do you pray for your community group? The people in your community group, do you lift them before the Lord in prayer? And do you pray for your pastor? I sure hope you do. He needs a lot of prayer. Pray for your pastor. As a matter of fact, the more you pray for the pastor, the better the sermons get. And so uh, keep praying. Praying for your pastor. They might even get shorter. Who knows? Keep praying for your pastor. Pray for the missionaries that are serving on the field. Lifting them before God in prayer. Do you have some missionaries? Some people that you know are on the field? Lift, lift them before the Lord in prayer. I have the privilege to pray for my parents who are still living. It is a joy to think about praying for them. And when, uh, when I kneel in my office in a place of prayer... I pray for my parents and for God's protection 
over their lives. And God give them, maintain them and give them health, give them strength. I love calling dad and I'll talk to him and I'll say, dad, I was thinking about you this morning. He said, well, son, I was thinking about you. And I said, well, I prayed for you this morning. He said, son, I, your mother and I prayed for you this morning. You know, that just puts goosebumps up and down my uh, back as I think about that. That I, my, my parents, in their time together, sitting in their kitchen, around their kitchen table, holding hands. They read scripture and they pray. And they pray for their family, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Praying for their church, pray for their pastor. And uh, I said, I just love talking about it. I called dad and I said, so what are you praying about today, dad? He said, well, I'm praying for my pastor. So my pastor, and he's going through a hard time with some difficulties in his life. He began to share some of those concerns with me. He said, it's on my heart. I'm praying for them. I love to pray. I love to pray with other people. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the lost. Do you have lost people that you're praying for? People that you're praying that come to know Jesus as their Savior. How consistent are you in your prayer life? Are you being consistent? Are you being faithful in your prayer? Are you talking with God? Or do you just pray when there's a crisis in your life? Not to quote country music, but I will today. I don't even listen to country music nearly as much as Christy does. But anyway, that's another story. But apparently there is a country music song by, the, by an artist named Jelly Roll. Some of you know this name. I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I, when I ain't got a prayer. So who the heck am I? I changed the words. Who the heck am I to expect a savior? Oh, if I only talk to God when I need a favor. But God, I need a favor. We hear the desperation in a voice of somebody that really doesn't practice prayer. What about your prayer life? Is it just when you feel the artillery coming? Is it just when you feel that crisis is happening? Or is this a part of the routine of your life? Prayer, Paul says, make it a first priority not a second thought why why should prayer be a major priority in our life number one we're in a warfare did you all know that we're in a spiritual warfare and we have an enemy that is against us and a, 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 an evildoer that is working in this world blinding the hearts and minds of others and we need to be praying for God to work powerfully in this warfare that we're involved in. Look with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God, that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. How many of y'all believe that there's a real devil working schemes in this world in which we live? Listen, we need to put on the full armor of God. Our struggle, verse 12, is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, against spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. 
Your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. And in every situation, take up the shield of faith, which will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. He said pray. Pray for each other. Pray for God to be victorious. Pray that we would stand strong, that we would be alert, dressed in the armor of God. And we are to be a people of prayer. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities. We are in a spiritual warfare, and it's time for the church of Jesus Christ not to hit the snooze button on the alarm clock. And let's get up and find a place of prayer and pray for God to move among us. Christ is our example in prayer. Even our Savior got up early in the morning before it was daylight, alone, and spent the night in prayer. Sometimes he spent the whole night up in prayer. Sometimes late at night in prayer. Praying during the day, during the night. Why do we need to pray? Pray because it affirms our dependence on God. We can't live this Christian life without him. We can't be effective in this world without him. Jesus said, apart from me, ye can do what? Nothing. We need him. We must abide in him. And he abides in us. And it's his life that gives us strength. Prayer also is effective. It is effective. James reminds us that the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. It availeth much. Prayer brings our will into alignment with his will. And when we spend time praying, then we are the ones that move into alignment to his will. It's not to get God to move into alignment with your will. Prayer helps get your will in alignment with his will. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Prayer, it is a changes us, helps us, strengthens us, and it moves and it's powerfully effective. Prayer is important. It should be a priority in our life. Prayer removes the barriers. The barriers of pride and selfishness. And immaturity and unforgiveness in our hearts. Prayer. Whenever we come to God in prayer, bringing our needs before him in prayer, the Holy Spirit of God sheds a light on things in our life that aren't right. And leads us to confession and repentance and turning from those things that are a barrier in our spiritual life. Prayer brings expectancy into your life. You're anticipating the things of God. It increases your faith and your boldness. That's why we need to pray. Now notice what Paul says. Now, I, I just, all of that's just kind of an introduction to prayer. And so I, I, I want us to look at what he says in, in, to Timothy. He says... He says, I urge, I beg that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. 
So he says, use all kinds of prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now notice the kinds of prayer that are listed here. He says, and first of all, he says petitions. And that comes from the root word of the idea of lacking or being deprived or having a need. Something you can't do by yourself. And so we bring our petitions before God. And here's the truth of the matter is, the reason we're petitioning God is because we can't do this thing. The context of this is he prays, says praying for lost people. Is it right to pray for lost people? You bet it's right to pray for lost people. And we need to pray because we can't change their mind. You can't make a person believe in Jesus Christ. You can't bring them to faith. You can't do it. And you're praying that God would save them. God would change their heart. God would open their eyes. God would talk to them. If you try to talk them into being saved, you can't do it. It's got to be a work of God in their heart. That's why we have to pray to God to do this thing. God save them. Not only petitions, but prayers. That's the general word that's used for prayer. It's addressed only to God. It denotes the idea of worship and reverence. And when we pray, we're praying for his will, his glory, his pleasure, his honor, his name being great, his praise. And we pray for the lost to be saved so that the lost would give glory to God. It's all about his glory There ought to be a reverence in our praying. Thirdly, he says intercessions. And that means to to fall in line with another, to to be intimately involved with another. It it means to converse with a familiarity. It means to, to be talking together about a matter. It's not some cold, legal, detached prayer but it's close and it's intimate and it's familiar and it's sympathetic. That's the kind of thing. When, when it says that Jesus intercedes for us, he does it as a sympathetic high priest. When you and I pray for lost people and people that are struggling and people that have slipped away from God and people that need the Lord, we, come, we should come sympathetically. Don't just come and bring a laundry list before God of your needs like a shopping cart. No, you come before God and say, God, dear God, this is, this is so-and-so. This is Connie. This is Connie, and I, I, I love her. God, she's gone the wrong way. God, she doesn't know you. You're on your knees before God asking him to save her. This is the kind of praying that we should do. Not shallow, not stale, not rote, not a laundry list. But prayer. And then with thanksgiving. Let your prayer be seasoned and filled with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God for all that he's done for you. I must hurry. It's just not only all kinds of prayer. But he said pray for all kinds of people. Notice what he says. Verse number 1. He said that thanksgivings, prayers, intercessions, petitions be made for what? What does it say? Verse 1. For everyone. That's right. And so it means everyone. And then verse 2. For kings and all those in authority. Wow. He said pray for everyone. 
Even pray for those in authority. Who was in authority when Paul was writing this? Nero was the emperor of Rome. Was Nero a good man, a godly man, a righteous man? No, he was, he was a crazy man. He was a, he was, he was lost. But he said, pray for them. Pray for those in authority. Not only for kings, emperors, but any governors and those in authority. And we should be praying. We should pray for our president, whoever is in office. We should pray for President Biden. Pray for Kamala Harris. Pray for Governor Pritzker. They all need a lot of prayer. We need to pray for our Supreme Court. Pray for the new Speaker of the House. We need to pray. We need to pray no matter who is in office. And don't just pray that they would act wisely and do rightly. Yes, you ought to pray those things. But here's what I want you to do. Pray for their salvation. Some of these that are in positions of authority, they're lost. They don't know Christ. Let's pray for them. Pray that they would be saved and God would do a work in their life. Listen, when we pray, often I think when we pray for kings and authority, all we do is pray that your, your candidate will win the election. That is not, should not be the first priority of your praying. Don't pray for wins or losses, but pray for their salvation. It's too often with our lips, we speak in criticism about those in office more than we speak to the Father about their heart. On our lips ought to be words of brokenness over the lostness of others. Amen? Are you all with me today? In the book of Ezra, chapter 6, it's in the Bab those in Babylonian exile now making their way back to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and go back into uh, the land of promise after years of exile. And under Darius's order, the emperor of Babylon, it says in Ezra 6.10, so that they can offer sacrifices of pleasing aroma to God of the heavens and pray for the life of the king and his son. King Artaxerxes of Persia in chapter 7 verse 23 gives this command, whatever is commanded by the God of the heavens must be done diligently for the house of God of the heavens so that the wrath will not fall on the realm, on the realm of the king and his sons. He says, even a secular king says, I need the king, I need the prayers of God's people. Wow. In First Peter Chapter number two, I'm going to skip over to 1 Peter chapter number two. In verse number 13. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or governors who are sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that 
You silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Pray for brothers and sisters. Love your brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the king. Pray for them. Honor them. And trust God to change their lives. Secondly, the purpose of prayer. What is the purpose of prayer? S number one, notice what it says in Timothy. So that we might li live, what does he say? A tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He says, first of all, pray so that we can have a tranquil life to live and we can proclaim the gospel. That, God, that travel will not be impeded and that there would be a time of peace. And he says, I want you to live peaceably, act peaceably, don't. And if all at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And remember, we studied about this in Thessalonians. He says, we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to seek to live a quiet life, to mind your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. He says, pray for peace, that we can have a tranquil life and that way we can preach the gospel and travel all over this empire preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Secondly, so we'll live a godly life. We're to be living a godly life, a life that brings honor and glory to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, just over a page, verse number 7, have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Pray for godliness. Live a godly life. And so that we might live seriously, a serious life, a grave life, a life of moral earnestness, of dignity. It means there's holiness when we pray so that, that we might live a holy life. Holy in our attitude and holy in our behavior. Not living foolishly, not living recklessly, not living f in a fleshly way, not living sinful life or a silly life or a life that doesn't count, but live a life that matters, that there's a graveness and an earnestness and a seriousness about your life. doesn't mean you can't have fun in life, but there's a seriousness about your life. And finally, so that we might live evangelically, that we might live as evangelists in this world. You know, John Chrysostom, great preacher among the church fathers, says, it's more difficult to hate someone when you're praying for them. Boy, isn't that true? When you pray for them, then you begin to love them. That's exactly right. What would happen if we didn't keep score? If we didn't keep score with one another's or others, what would happen if we didn't take teams or side, take one side versus another? 
And what would happen if we would just begin to see people like God sees them? We need to pray for all kinds of people. We need to pray for Democrats. Somebody should have said amen. We need to pray for Republicans. We need to pray for Libertarians, whatever they believe. We need to pray for Jews. We need to pray for Gentiles. We need to pray for Palestinians. And we need to pray for Israelites. We need to pray for American citizens. And we need to pray for illegal immigrants. We need to pray. We need to pray for people that are like us and people that are very different from us. Pray for all kinds of people. Pray for poor people. Pray for rich people. Pray for regular people, whatever that means. And pray for odd people. That's most of us. Pray for young people. Pray for old people. We need to pray for one another. Because we have no hope without Jesus Christ. Amen? Yesterday I went to pick up an item at a big box store. And I need some help getting this item in the back of my truck. And so they called a, on a person to come and help me. And so it was, it was a, a big piece of furniture I was trying to get in the back of my truck. And, and so um, this young person came out to help me. And when they came out to help me, this young person had a sock hat down and over his head. And, and I was trying to figure out, is this young person helping me, is this a male or female? Because I couldn't tell. And I was not sure. And so then it, it wasn't clear to me, not that it mattered, it's a person. And so this person was helping me. And as this, I said, I think I'm down this aisle. Well, I forgot where I parked my truck. And so that didn't help much. And so uh, this person said, it's not on this aisle. I said, hi, Matt, this, I was here yesterday. Maybe that's where I parked yesterday. And, and then I said, I am so sorry. And, and very graciously, this person said, no big deal. It happens all the time. I said, so finally we found a truck and, and we're going toward the truck and this person said, hey, I like that truck. I said, do you? I said, that truck's 10 year, 11 years old. I said, she said, yeah, I really like that truck. I'm trying to save up my money so I can have a truck like that. I said, that, that was, that's great. And so I, I said, do you know, you're, you're a great employee. You've been very helpful to me. And uh, so we struggled and got this piece of furniture in the back of the truck and got it set up just right. And, and, and it, it needs some adjustment. And they jumped in the back of the truck and helped get it all situated and jumped out. I said, man, you, you've been awesome. And uh, I said, you know what? I, uh, this, this, store's, this store is lucky they have you. And then this person said, I'm blessed to have this job. I said, I'm blessed too. I like the word language of blessed better than luck. I said, I'm blessed too. And then this person said, so am I. Because God has blessed me, and I want to bless others. What's your name? My name's Jordan. I said, Jordan, it's good to meet you, and I'm going to pray for you today. He said, thank you. 
said, you be blessed today. Thank you, Jordan. I'll be blessed today. What about that conversation? In the end, it didn't matter to me what kind of dress they had. What mattered to me is that person is made in the image of God. And that person needs to be dealt with with dignity. And every one of us, every soul, needs Jesus Christ. Because without him, we're all lost and without Christ. Amen? Amen. God wants everyone to be saved. Y'all believe that? Notice, that's why Jesus came. We're going to have to hurry. But notice with me what it says in 1 Timothy. Well, notice what it says. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. Who wants what? Everyone, verse 4, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time, at the right time. God wants everyone to be saved. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel said, Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked? This is the declaration of the Lord God. Instead, don't I, uh, he says, don't I take pleasure when a man returns from his ways and lives. For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is a declaration of the Lord. So repent and live. Amen. As I live, declares the Lord of hosts, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Turn ye, turn ye, why will you die? That is the voice of the prophet Ezekiel. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his, his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. It's in the heart of God that all men, all women, all boys and girls might turn from sin and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. God has made provision for all men to be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 2, 22 verse 2 says, He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also of the whole world. God has loved us, and we need to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know who's going to get saved and who's not. I don't know who the elect are and who the elect are not. That I am not on the election committee. I'm on the nominating committee. I'm just going to preach the gospel to everybody. And God will do the work of salvation. There's one mediator between God and man. And that's the man, Christ Jesus.
You see, all men have sinned. We are separated from God. God is holy over here and right and true and beautiful and pure. He is absolutely holy. Man is all sin. We've all sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not even one. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's turned to his own way. And the wages of sin is death. And there's no hope. And by the works of righteousness, you cannot work or earn your way into a right standing with God. You can, you, all of your righteousness is nothing but filthy garments. They, are, they, they cannot work, do a work of grace for you and saving you. You can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. You cannot change enough in your own. You need a Savior. And there's only one man who lived a sinless life. And that is the Prince of Heaven, King Jesus, who took upon flesh, dwelt among us as the Son of Man. And the Son of God lived a perfect life as the Son of Man, completely fulfilling the law of God. And then this mediator between God and man, this man, and took our sins in his own body on the cross and paid for them in full, dying the death that we deserve. And he has bridged the gap that man can be made right with God. And it's only in one person, and that's in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am, I, I alone am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Amen. It's the only way Jews will be saved. It's in Jesus. It's the only way that a Palestinian will be saved. It's through Jesus. It's the only way that a young person can be saved. It's through Jesus. It's the only way that an adult can be saved. It's through Jesus. There's only one way. It's in Jesus. Folks, we need to be bold in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to tell him to everyone who will listen. We need to pray. Paul writes in chapter 10 concerning his own people. He said, my heaven ceasing grief and sorrow for my own people. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they might be saved. And this is the message we proclaim. We're not only to pray for lost people, we're to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In verse number 7, for this I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith, in truth. He is a herald. That means he's proclaiming the good news. And that's what God has called us to do. To proclaim the good news to everyone who will listen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 17. Now look at the scripture with me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Everything's from God who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us a ministry. What is the ministry he's given us? A ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, 
God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have a ministry, but we also have a message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. And we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Amen. This is what we are to do. We're to preach Jesus Christ to everyone. In book of Revelation chapter 22, it says the spirit and the bride say come. It's the Holy Spirit saying come. But also the bride. Who's the bride? It's the church. And we're saying come. Come let everyone who hears say come. And everyone who's thirsty, come. And everyone, everyone who's thirsty, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come. I don't know. Not all will. No, they won't. But let's preach the gospel. Here's what I know. When I'm sharing the gospel, people start getting saved. But when I quit sharing the gospel, then I am not useful. I'm not obedient in doing what God has called me to do. God's carrying out his will. He is sovereign. But I'm telling you, my friends, we're missing a blessing if we aren't praying for lost and not proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. My time is done. My sermon's not, but my time is done. We should do this lifting up holy hands to God in prayer. Amen. Holy hands. Not hands that are defiled, but holy hands. Lifting them before him and saying, God, these are my hands. This is my life. I'm standing before you. I'm honest before you. I'm clean because of Jesus before you. And this is my plea. Amen. That's the kind of thing that God's called us to do as a church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, have your way in our hearts and our lives. In this moment, I pray that we would take seriously this ministry of prayer that you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, I pray that today they would turn from sin and trust in him. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.